You are listening to Humanity Unlocked. I am your host, Kimberly Dia, and the episode you're about to hear is actually one of my practice episodes that I recorded back in March of this year, 2023, with my mom, Pauline. She was a trooper agreeing to let me interview her so I could get some practice with podcast hosting. And while this is probably not my best work, and although the audio is a bit subpar as we had not started recording at a studio yet, I did still appreciate our conversation, and ultimately, I've chosen to share it with you all this week. In this episode, we talk about my mom's experience with raising two toddlers while simultaneously taking on a full-time caregiver role for her terminally ill mother at the age of 29. After the passing of my grandmother, she went on to raise us as a single mom with very little means. My mom made a series of unusual choices that she felt were in the best interest of her children, such as the decision not to date or remarry until her kids were out of the house, something that was super confusing to just about everybody, and also made a conscious choice to co-parent in a manner that eliminated any contention between herself and the father of her children, my dad, which evolved over time into an authentic friendship. So much of who I am and the way I parent and co-parent with my son's dad can be credited back to my mother, her positive example, and how I was raised. With that said, I want to welcome my mom to the show, and I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Let's just start off really quick by, Mom, you telling the audience a little bit about your upbringing, where you grew up, what your family was like, what you were like, you know, from the beginning through maybe, you know, high school. We'll take okay. it. We'll, go, we'll take it from there. After that, I I was I was a extremely shy child. Right. Um, I was tall for my age. I had flaming red hair, white skin, and freckles. Very Irish. Very Irish. And I probably that contributed to my shyness, but I just never felt like I really fit in. Mm-hmm. I had like a couple close friends in my neighborhood. But other than that, I was a bit of a loner. A bit of a wallflower. Yeah, very yeah. much a wallflower. Yeah. So, but I, you know, I had, I grew up in a good home. My, uh, my dad was, worked for the state. So we were completely middle class. Right. My mother um, worked for Cease Candies, was a manager and ultimately went into upper, upper management. But that was after I was out of the house. So wait, so she, when did she was she a stay-at-home mom for the first She was part-times. Like, she worked at a Cease Candies in, in town and country village, uh-huh. and it burnt down. Whoa. So then she um, was a stay-at-home mom for a number of years until she was given another store. So when she was raising your sister, who's seven years older, that whole time she actually worked part-time? Yeah. She oh, was so she on always for both worked. Our lives. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yeah. So she was never a stay-at-home mom by choice, only when it burned down and she had to for a while until Yeah. Got yes. it. Okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. Keep yeah. going. So anyway, long story short, I was, you know, I was shy all through high school and really didn't date until I got out of high school. Mm-hmm. So um, do you do you think your mom, um, w- was she working because you guys needed the income to make ends meet or was she just the type that needed to work? You know, it's hard to say because- they didn't discuss finances with and us. This was like, you know, you were born in the fifties. Yeah, sixties. So were most basically. parents? Were no, most, most moms, parents, most mothers were home. Were stay at home moms. That's why I'm saying I don't think I knew that she. I thought she went to work like when you were older. Decided mm-hmm. to go back to work. No, she would, no. because I can remember coming home from school to an empty home. Right. And it was safe back in those but, days. But otherwise, uh, you know, I mean, we're really like grasping at straws if yeah. we say like, oh, the house wasn't perfect because your mom wasn't a stay-at-home no, mom back mom, then. No, our house was. No, what I mean is like the family life back then. Oh, um, yeah. It was, yeah. yeah. Uh, but it, otherwise, very good family life in terms of oh, yeah. like your parents were always married until your mom passed away. And there, and I, and there was never any question that they wouldn't be. Yeah, it was it was the epitome of stability. Yeah, it was like leave it to Beaver. Yes, very except much for so. very much so. Except for my mom worked. Except for on June didn't off. June didn't work. Yeah, <laughs> and and Laura did. And Laura did. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I know you had a, a our aunt. My aunt Judy is seven years yeah. older than you, and it was just the two of you. Uh-huh. Um, when you approached, I don't know. Did you meet 
my dad when you were in high school or was it after high no, school? No, I met him after high school. Um, he was a blind date. Mm-hmm. and You were 18? I was 18 uh-huh. when I met him. And uh, he was a blind date. And so, and I was very shy. And so, you know, I went along with it. Had you ever dated before that? Had you ever had a boyfriend? No. No. Never. Okay. Never before your dad. Okay. Uh-uh. So you were set up on a blind date with... So we were set up on a blind... It was a group blind date, but right. it was a blind date nonetheless. So we went to a movie and... He had enough personality for the both of you. He did and still does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's what attracted me to him is because he was fun. He was a lot of fun back in the day. And wasn't he in the service? He was. He was in the Air Force at Beale Air Force Base. So it was about a 45-minute drive from my house. What At what point in the relationship did he propose? Probably a little over a year later. Why do you think, or was it was it common to get engaged so young? Like, why do you think well, he decided back, to propose? Yeah, back then it was, but he was he was going to be shipped out to Guam. Oh, okay. And um, I don't know. To be honest with you, I don't know. Yeah, it was I so think, long ago. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard to say, but but you accepted. I did. And you, and then how long after you guys were engaged did you get married? Was it pretty quick? Your um, engagement? Or do you even it remember? Was, it, yeah, it was like six months later. So you really only knew each other for like a year and a half before yes. you were married. And you were young yes. too. So it's not as if like when yes. I got married to Jordan's dad, we were together for four years. Yeah. No, so we a year and a half at the age of 18, got married at 19. 19. And um, and then, and, and actually, Mar- uh, St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day. Day, which my parents are both very, very Irish. If you don't, you have not met me in person or haven't met my parents. Last name is McCullough, and all of us are very Irish. So, yeah, they got married on St. Patrick's Day, true to their heritage. Um, so you would it be safe to say that you were you went into a, this marriage extremely naive? Oh, Think abs- <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I truly believed that the marriage I was embarking Uh on was going to be not exact, but similar to the marriage that my parents had. Yeah. You know, my dad was home every day after work. We had our, had dinner he mowed the lawn and all that stuff. And Mike didn't. So, but his what well, it, it's interesting because he grew up in Mississippi. His yeah. parents were married, and his dad parents were very much that way, right? So you're but you both was, came from similar homes, yeah, similar. But his um, mom was a stay at home mom. His mom was a stay at home mom. Very very sweet woman. Loved her to death. And um, but his dad was a car had a car dealership, and I think the hours were not as traditional as say mine, what my dad's were, Mm -hmm. but they still, they stayed together for their whole, they never divorced, never any of that. Pretty sure they still did the like, actually, I don't know for sure, but I think they had like dinner at the table. I think, and maybe I'm Uh, I'm wrong on that. I don't know. You know what I do remember is that your dad would go out with friends and come home late at night in mm-hmm. high school, and she would put a fried bologna sandwich by his bed. That's so southern. Isn't that sweet. Yeah, and fried bologna. Oh my gosh, that's the first thing <laughs> so I, I made when I uh, first thing you learned to cook after I got married. Yeah, that's so funny. Was, yeah, she was very sweet, very motherly. I imagine very, very hands-on woman. wife and mom. Um, I never really got to know her too much before she um, passed away, and she was always at a distance. Me growing up in California, and her and them being in Mississippi. But so you, so you guys get married, he's 21, you're 19. The marriage isn't exactly what you thought it would be. How soon after you got married, did you both sort of realize that he was having problems with alcohol? And it was, it was actually pretty quick. Um, because, because being in the military, everybody drank. Right. And so we would, out on weekends and you know sometimes during the week and you know we were with a group of people and everybody was 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 drinking drinking, as do most people who are that age yeah and so it never crossed my mind that he that that wouldn't stop 
Mm-hmm. And so when it didn't, mm-hmm. like the heaviness of it, like it didn't calm down into no. it didn't settle into. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. It, I, and I thought it would, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. as naive as I was, I thought it would. And anyway, so it just, you know, when you, when you start realizing that he's not coming home till the bars close, right. That's, you know, that's when it starts sinking in. So you, you moved to Dallas because you grew up in California in Carmichael, which is a suburb right outside Sacramento. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you moved to Dallas, which is where um, my aunts are on my mm-hmm. dad's side. Mm-hmm. Why the move to Dallas? Um, well, we had prior to that spent one year in Carson City, Nevada. The worst and year of your life. We won't even, year, we won't go into that, but it yeah, was not a, not the great that, year. But it was it was not a good year. But anyway, um, basically, I said, I think I told him if we if we don't get out of Carson City, right, the, this marriage More is work. over. Okay, and so we decided, you know, we loaded everything up and shipped it back there and got on a Greyhound bus took us three days to get there that's so to funny. Dallas my ankles were the size of a basketball wait were you pregnant no oh okay no but it was from sitting got it for three days so when you <laughs> when at what point did you, you so you got pregnant when you were living in Dallas Jeff was my yes. brother was born in Dallas yeah. who's a, a year and a half older than me yeah. and then um at that point, I know dad was still drinking. Yeah. And it, what, did you guys intentionally decide to get have a baby? Yeah. I got My sister called me and said, um, mom's wondering if she's ever going to be a grandmother. <laughs> and you should have thrown it back and at I her. Thought, and I thought, huh, well, I guess that would be a good thing. Maybe, maybe that will help. I mean, a yeah. lot of people think maybe that will help, the, help him. Well, um, I didn't look at it that way, but I thought, well. Yeah, yeah. One, that's okay. And so um, a year later, along came Jeff. Along came Jeff. And then, so and then you were 23 we were when 20. Jeff was born. I was 23. And then I came along at 20, and you were 25. You came along at 25. You, were, you dad, were my surprise child. Right. You were not trying to get pregnant with me. In fact, you were wondering at that point if the marriage was salvageable. I was actually planning on leaving. And then, but dad did get sober did. the year or that you were pregnant he with got, me. He, he got sober while I was pregnant with you. Right. And asked if he came, if he could come back, he would go to AA mm-hmm. and, and he did. Yep. And he was successful and mm-hmm. paid all the doctor bills and the hospital bill prior to you being born and it was it was everything turned around it was good everything turned around and that's when you guys had your good streak until Mm -hmm. then your mom got sick tell my mom yeah well we the we were renting a home in san juan capistrano so then you moved so at that point you moved from dallas down to southern california yes okay and um we uh, the owners of the home that we were renting and we'd been there for like four or five years, mm-hmm. um, wanted to sell the house to buy another one. Mm-hmm. So we went out looking. They'd never raised our rent mm-hmm. and found out that rents had almost doubled. Of course, especially and, out there. Yeah. And so that's when, after looking around, we decided, you know, may, and my mom, she wasn't sick yet. Okay. This was in... This was in the summer. She didn't get sick until January. So, so after you anyways, moved back to Northern so we, California, we decided to come back up north. Yeah. And then, how long after that did was her diagnosis for brain cancer? About six months later. Okay. So, you can you come you come home basically. Yeah. This is where you grew up. She and gets you diagnosed. Were born, you were born. Of by course. Then. By then, I think I was like two. I think. Yeah. Uh, um, about maybe two or three. Close to three. Yeah. But you guys were doing good, mm-hmm. and then Grandma gets the brain cancer diagnosis, and I know she didn't make it very long after. A she year? made it a year. A year, which I mean, in the grand scheme, a year is nothing. Yeah, that's nothing. But you had to take on the majority of her care taking mm-hmm. responsibilities with two toddlers. So you didn't work, um, or did you? Did you work when you had when Jeff and I, I were couldn't. little? No, I mean even before that, when we were. Um, I worked until I got pregnant with you. Okay, in Southern California from. Jeff was about 
months old and so I worked up until I got pregnant with me had me moved down to NorCal Mm -hmm. grandma gets sick and then full-time caretaker or caregiver I should say well full-time during the week then my dad took over in the evenings and weekends okay well still that's a full-time job and then you have us as well on top of that um in the interim and that all and that all happening um I mean, that's going to put strain on any marriage, really. Mm-hmm. But a marriage that was sort of rocky leading up to not that long prior. I mean, you guys had a few good years, right? Oh, yeah. We had probably about five. Okay. So a marriage that was rocky leading up to the last five years um, for it. I mean, it doesn't sometimes it doesn't take much to enough strain can, you know, I mean. Well, I th- I think what he was, and, and I, I mean, you would ask have to ask him but I think I was torn between taking care of my mom and then having to go home bathe and get two toddlers ready for bed mm-hmm. and feed feed meals and, and I, I just fed her meals and I was doing and you were bathing and changing her and all like all of that yeah. too yeah on top of and so it was it was very physical. Work. It was a lot to it was a lot. And so I know that he was probably feeling like totally so where do I right. fit into all this? Right. Even the best of men, I think, would have some version of, of that yeah. thought. Yeah. Um, because we as women, when our kids need us and when our elderly parents need us, you know, you just expect, you know, your partner to but it's a lot, you know, a year of that, a year of that is, is, is a lot for anyone to endure. And dad was, dad was a different person back then, you know, than he is now. Yeah. So he's he's come a long, long way, actually. Once grandma passed, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I know you had a lot of quality time with her. I did. And, and And that part I do not regret. Yeah. Because I got to say everything to her that I ever wanted to. Right. It was you almost know, a gift in a way. It was a that gift. You got and to I got to, you know, tell her how much I loved her, how much I appreciated her. And she she would she did tell me her biggest regret is that he she wouldn't get to see you and Jeff grow up. And I told her I said, Well, you'll get to watch him from heaven and and she looked at me and she said, Well, you dirty dog. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you ever told me that. And but it was, you know, it wasn't the same. And and I can, now that I have my two grandchildren, I can relate to that. I want to be present yeah. in their lives. Yeah. So I, I too, it's, I didn't so much get it back then, but I do get it now. Your relationship prior to moving back to Northern California, because mm-hmm. you had like six months before she even got her diagnosis, mm-hmm. was pretty strong. And she was mm-hmm. like a big, a staple in your day because she, she was retired by then. Yeah. yeah. And you were a stay-at-home mom, so she was really partnering with you. Probably, I'm guessing, because I know I, re- I have memories of like going to the donut shop together. And yeah, so she was a big part of your, yeah, you know, tell that story. She's a big part of your um, your day-to-day life. I and talked then- to her every day, every morning after your dad left for work in the morning. She would call me, and we'd talk every morning. Yeah, every single morning. It's like losing a. It's like losing your best friend. It was and and because I was fairly new coming back up here I didn't have a support group mm-hmm. and I cried every day mm-hmm. um, because I missed my friends mm-hmm. and I missed the whole lifestyle right. of Southern California yeah. and it was it was a hard adjustment for me yeah really hard so then adding insult to injury you get this diagnosis mm-hmm. and then you're tasked with being the caregiver which Again, it's it's bittersweet. It's a blessing in disguise. Yes. I mean, you have to do this very physical job and watch her deteriorate, but you get to say everything that, you know, and in a way that is a gift because a lot of people aren't given that. No, um, especially those whose parents uh, pass away pass unexpectedly. unexpectedly, exactly. Or they're at it, they live at a distance like my Aunt Judy did. Mm-hmm. Um, but once she passed away, mm-hmm. um, how soon after that did, did your Actually, dad split up? Oh, we had split up prior. Oh, you had prior split to her prior to her, her actual passing. passing. Okay, yeah. she passed away in January, and we split up in uh, November. Okay, the previous November. Oh, the November prior to. Okay, all right. And 
what did life look like after that? Well, we moved in with a cousin because I didn't have any income. At right. The time. Uh, luckily, and that was. In do you November, remember the sleeping arrangements? Because I do. I do. We, we we took over the master bedroom, and we three twin beds. It was three yeah. three twin beds that my mom's cousin set up for us in the master bedroom. Yep. I didn't even know this person, (laughs) but she apparently was family. She was. She was my first cousin. Yeah. And yeah, it was, but you know what? I was so grateful for us to have, you know, and it was right down the street. Jeff was starting kindergarten. How long did we live with her? Not all that long uh, from November. And then we moved out, I want to say in June or July. Oh, okay. So not even a year. Not yet. Oh no. Uh-uh. But by the time we got, I, I mean, we really got settled um, once we moved to Roseville yes. and which is a very nice area. If you're not from the Sacramento area, it's a very nice suburb, very nice, great schools. We found an apartment in Roseville and you also found it. Is that around the time that you found your job? at Zap pest control? Um, I think I already had the job. Okay. I wouldn't have gotten the apartment if I hadn't had the job. Okay. So I, yeah. but I feel like you really found your footing or That's I felt like I, as yeah. a family, we really started getting some major stability right around. I was maybe first grade. So I would have been like five. Mm-hmm. Um, you were working as a termite secretary mm-hmm. or yeah. Termite. Pest control. Uh, yeah. Termite and pest control. Termite company. Pest control. Yeah. And then, and we lived in a, a government subsidized um, apartment in, like I said, in it, but in a very nice, like I said, a very nice um, city. But everybody, we all had our own bedrooms. Yes. It, so, and it was. I mean, it was a major step up. From it was what, a major step up what from we where had we were. Come from, I mean, yeah. I, we'll just glaze right over the duplex. Yeah. We don't even need to talk about that. I mean, oh my gosh, we had been through. Um, but so we get our footing in this, I say government subsidized, but it was like when you've been through the few years prior to that, it felt like home. We finally had a place you had employment and you weren't making much. I know that it's like what, like a couple hundred a month. No, it was more than that. It was 600 a month. I feel like that's what you told me. Something like 600 600 a month month back in the day. Yeah. So we weren't living high on the hog by any, by any stretch, but I, because we lived in such a nice affluent area, um, I went to school with kids that, you know, kid did come from means and mm-hmm. they did have, but no, the parents were married. I was always felt, I always knew that, um, you know, I was a little bit different. Not me as a child was different. I still came from a very healthy home, but it was definitely different. Like my side of the tracks was different from their side of the tracks. Um, and you going forward sort of, well, first of all, how long were we on government assistance for? Was that like a permanent thing? Because it's not as no, if- no, you let's see, you were in first grade and we moved when you started junior high. So we were there for quite a okay. while. Okay. Yeah. So um and it's funny what the funny thing about this is that I didn't realize we were on government assistance, nor did I probably even know what that was. I, didn't I knew it. no, I knew that we lived differently, um, because nobody I knew except for one friend lived in an apartment. Um, but, um, I didn't know that it was like, like that Mm -hmm. because, um, you did go to great lengths to make sure that I still fit in, in terms of like, I still had, like, I know my dad always, every year bought me school clothes and and I never wanted you to feel poor. Yeah. Even though we, we were poor, poor. I didn't want you to feel like you, when you went to school, I didn't want you to be in Dressed in secondhand clothing. Yeah. And, Although I know, did wear a lot of really nice secondhand clothes, I will say. We had a couple people who were very generous with <laughs> You did. Yes, that, that's true. I like Get Us that. and Esprit. Yeah. If, you're from, if you yeah. grew up in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. LA gear. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But yeah, no, I always felt like I fit in visually, but like then you bring, you know, a friend and home they, for, for realize, a sleepover. Yeah. It's like, oh, don't. Live quite the same way, but but it was clean. Oh yeah, and, no, you, and, it, and it was um, decorated. Yes, and it was always it was a very comfortable home. Like we still like you know my mom because of the way she grew up. Like you made dinner every night. We sat at the table every night. It was 
all the trappings of a traditional upbringing, mm-hmm. just minus like the fact that we didn't have a normal, you know, house or, you know, a, two parents, which is what, you know, what you would have seen from the other people I, I went to school with. But everything else was actually probably better because not everybody did, you know, sit at the table every night. You know, you didn't have two parents that fought. I will say that No, much. which brings me on to the next question I was going to ask you is, um, you made the, at what point did, we'll see, well, I know you tried dating briefly and then promptly made the decision that you wouldn't continue. Right. Why decide not to date until we were out of the house? Um, During that time, I realized by watching you guys that you weren't getting the the right kind of attention that you needed. Mm -hmm. And so now... And, and so it, it was, it was a conscious decision I made. I broke up with the person that I was seeing and I wanted, and I decided to dedicate my life to making your, yours and your brother's life as normal as I could make it. Mm -hmm. And I, because sometimes, and, um, Many people get very lucky in in this, but I used to hear horror stories about step parents. Right, and I, I I did I never wanted you and your brother to ever be subjected to that, and so that was probably behind my decision. So it's more a more fear based decision, like you just thought I, yeah. I'm not going to make this misstep. Mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. Did it, did you feel like something was missing nope. from your life? Cause I know a lot of people, no, because you guys, you know, you, um, had outside activities, you did dance, your, you know, brother had stuff that he did. But didn't you personally ever feel like you were missing out? But I had a best friend at the time, Mary, and we would gather up the kids and, you know, go off on picnics I never and I and maybe that's why today I'm what I would call slightly broken is that I've never felt that need for companionship because I've never had a healthy one yeah I would if I had had a healthy one I probably would have missed it you would know what you were missing at that point but I've never in my 70 years yeah have i had a healthy um partnership yeah i mean i think when all they're bringing to your life is inconvenience Mm -hmm. it makes sense to and drama drama and it was important for me to keep drama out of our lives right yeah so i it is i mean i do think uh, it's interesting because it's so rare i mean when we talked about it growing up Jeff and I, you, whoever was around us, whoever I was dating, um, meaning like the two people I dated, <laughs> they were like, Pauline, why aren't you dating? And I remember my friend's moms would ask me a lot of times, you know, is your mom dating anybody? Why isn't she out there? Why isn't she dating? Your mom is a beautiful woman, da, 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 whatever. Jeff, Jeff's parent, or Jeff's a friend, same thing. And um, it was, you don't, I, mean, I don't think I've ever met anybody who just really decided i mean i'm not saying it doesn't exist i've just in our you know in our circles we just didn't know anybody that would have gone like 25 years basically because i don't think you even started dating until my mid-50s your mid-50s so you went basically your late 20s i went from actually no i was oh you dated you had i was in my mid-30s i went from my mid-30s to my mid-50s yeah 20 years years. but i think you know you are so independent and, and you that's probably why I am. Yeah, independent. very independent. And you are the epitome of like, I don't need a man. And like, what good are you? And you're just not, you're just not bringing anything to my life. And it is, on one hand, it's like, that's amazing. And I'm sure a lot of other women would think, I wish I could be more like that. I wish I felt like I didn't need um, somebody to lean on. But on the other hand, it's like, you know, you are missing out a little bit because there are quality men. You just, we just have not in all your 70 years. Had well, a time I, one. I, I, and part of that is my own fault. I, I probably should admit because I have found in the few relationships that I've had since my mid fifties, right. 
that I don't like the me Mm -hmm. who is in a relationship. I tend to lose me to them. And, and it's not that they're demanding it, but what I do is I put my wants and needs aside to accommodate, to accommodate their wants and needs. And, and I never complain about it. Right. But in the back of my mind, I'm thinking resentful a little, yeah, but not, not until I, I not until it like, no, really kind of not until it's over. right. And then yeah. you realize like this, is, I'm not getting anything out of this. Yeah. Um, oh, I just think that that's your nature. Like if the people who you care about, you, you do cast aside your own needs for, mm-hmm. for them. And that's just your nature to do. So if you're going to, if you care about somebody, you're going to, you're going to do that. And it, that would be a discipline for you to have to consciously choose. But I always thought, wouldn't it have been nice to be with somebody that said, but what about you? What do you Exactly. Want? Exactly. And that's, and I don't think I ever got that. That's where you haven't met somebody, you haven't met the right person because well, the right person I'm would. I'm not likely to at this stage. And no, I'm, you're not. But, I'm but not that's open the, to it. What I'm trying to say is that does exist. I know. Um, and it's, you know, it's a shame because, you know, we, I had a friend tell me, because I'm I'm similar to you in the fact that, um, like in conversation with friendships, I tend to make it all about the person I'm talking to. Mm-hmm. And I'm, because I'm such a nosy, curious person that I could go without talking about myself. Mm-hmm. And then she, like months and months and months into the friendship, she would go to dinner every now and then. And she was like, see, I catch myself, Kim, you need to realize that you make it very easy for us to make it about us mm-hmm. because you don't. You're not giving us anything from oh, yourself. That's interesting. So it's so it's like you're contributing to it. And she called me out, and she was right. And um, I think that that's the thing. Like sometimes when we have, when we're sort of pre, we're, we're prone to do that. We have to we have to check ourselves. Like no, I need to assert my own either my needs in this relationship or my needs in this conversation or my needs in this friendship. You know. It, People, you can't blame, we, all, we we can't blame everybody else all the time. I mean, we have to, you know, those of us who are just tend to be more of a giver than a taker, um, we have to call ourselves out sometimes. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's, a good, that's interesting. And I probably learned it from you. I mean, we're just, we're just that way. We're just more yeah. of, yeah. But it's funny in my own marriage, I definitely don't have that. We're very much like 50-50. I have no problem asserting my needs yeah. because he, he wouldn't allow me to make everything about him. You know, that's why I say like quality men actually do exist. I mean, I happened to find one. Yeah. got lucky you're, enough. You're, you're, you've been a very lucky woman. Yeah, it's true. Um, so I would want to ask you about the choice to, um, how did you decide or why did you decide with dad? How did it, how did you decide that this was not, you were not going to allow your interactions to be contentious or you're mm. not going to allow like animosity to, to sort of, um, foreshadow or not foreshadow. That's the wrong word, but well, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I know. I get to what you're saying. Uh, number one, I didn't think it would be healthy for you guys. That was always my goal through this entire breaking up and getting was because I didn't, I didn't want it to ever be awkward for you guys to go spend time with your dad and it be that we were throwing daggers at each other. I, I didn't want that. And I never, I hope you remember this, that I never spoke badly, spoke badly about him because Whatever conclusion you came to as an adult, I wanted it to be yours. Yeah. I didn't want it to be anything that I influenced. I saw, I heard so many horrible stories about parents that would pit one child, their child against the other parent. And it's like, no, because at the end of the day, I wanted you guys to be as healthy as you could growing up in a broken home. I totally get it. I mean, I did the same thing with, with Jordan, but, um, I feel like dad's a hard person to fight with though. Like he, he's like a peacemaker type. 
Mm-hmm. Like he's like, if, if, if people are arguing, he'll like throw out a joke to make everybody laugh to like, you know, so I imagine that. Yeah. And that's what I appreciated about him. Honestly, when I first met him. Yeah. You know, he was that kind of, that kind of man. Being that he is more of that type and you are, you tend, you back then were definitely more of a passive mm-hmm. person. Not as, no, definitely not, not aggressive or, or assertive by any stretch. I'm not as aggressive, but. I'm more assertive now than well, I used to be. You just have never been someone, at least uh, I should say growing up, you were never someone that's going to assert what your um, opinion is about Mm-mm. how somebody is behaving or what they should be doing differently. Like you're just going to like quietly like, and even if you don't agree, you'll nod your head and then and go do whatever it is you intend on. my do. children yeah. Yeah. and do what I think is right. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of, I took on a very similar um, <laughs> behavior, but so you, I mean, I, I was under the impression growing up that you guys were friends. I mean, I really did. I, didn't, I had well, no idea you know that what? there was any. We got to spend Christmases together. We, we spent holidays. We got to spend Thanksgivings together. I mean, to the point that like dad would spend the night with us or like you'd go with us at his house. And then also to the point listeners that she was friends with, He'd been married a couple times with each one of his wives. Mm-hmm. Like, to, like they'd have, they talk on the phone. And I mean, it's funny because it's, it was so normal growing up. I never gave it a second thought until I was older and looking back going, that is strange that there was like <laughs> three different, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, three or four different women uh-huh. who you never didn't get along with them. No. Like they all liked you. No, I mean there were some that I liked better than others. Of course, I, but they like you. And I won't name names, but but they liked you is what I'm saying. Like, yeah. how was it that you know for those that are listening? Because they didn't feel threatened by me. Yeah. So for those that are listening that are maybe going through this, like recently split up, and maybe their ex is dating or getting ready to get remarried, and to keep the peace or in the interest of the kids, what was your approach? To, you know, in 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 um, sort of interacting with the current spouse or girlfriend or did dad have a hand in that no well i take that back he always wanted to introduce them to you guys are still even friends to this day you and dad Mm -hmm. and you guys still talk on the phone every now and then yeah and interestingly enough like that repeat that i did the same with my ex-husband jordan's dad i um made sure to not i mean i think if you really are concerned with making sure you're doing what's best for the kids your own anger your uh, like feeling like you need to um be, have, be the one with the last word or be the one i don't know, even know how to describe what that feeling is because i know i felt it um it it doesn't matter Mm-mm. it doesn't matter because they're the ones that are going that suffer in the long term um, it's just not worth it. And you don't want your kids to suffer for it. No, it's not worth it. I mean, what are, what are we really getting out of that? Nothing. You know, and I know I argued with my ex-husband way more than you argued with dad, but my son never saw it, never heard it. You know, we were sure to always, you know, it was on the phone in another room or we never, definitely never argued in front of him. So, um, I, my advice to anyone listening who's going through something similar, keep it, if you, if you have to hash out your differences, keep it behind closed doors when they're not listening, don't do it in the car while you're driving on the phone, on speaker, where your kids can hear it. It's just not great for them to hear, uh, their parents hating each other. Because whatever the character is of the other parent, your kids are going to grow up and come to that um realization on their own Mm -hmm. you don't you're not gonna ever have to say you're you know he was this and he was that he was a jerk or you know whatever because they will come to that realization on their own and hopefully you know they'll be able to redeem themselves to their kids just gonna say by the time a lot you know a lot of times by the time the kids are older whatever um shortcomings that their parent does have a lot of times they've you know corrected some of that i know dad is a different person now than he was when um when we were younger Mm -hmm. and and the same goes for um 
you know, my son's dad. Uh, so it is something that, you know, you don't want to put in their head also too, like, um, it, say, say, um, you know, I put it in Jordan's head that his dad was a terrible person. And then he grew up and he ended up really growing up to like his dad and feel really close to him at the age of 16, 17, 18. And then he would look at me like, what's wrong with you? Why do you, yeah. why, why would you say such terrible yeah. things about this wonderful man yeah. if they had redeemed themselves? So I just wanted, like you wanted him to be able to make his own decisions without uh, me influencing him. But it's no matter what, guess what? The kids grow up. Yeah. They all do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you um, credit your close relationship to your kids to? Like, do you think being a single mom and not really being career driven was, um, did contribute to that? Like, do you have any regrets about not remarrying or any regrets, regrets about like maybe not going back to school? And I probably, I do have re- regrets about not taking um, a better road career-wise. By the time that I did get to a point where I was making better money, my kids are already grown. Right. So, um, yeah, do I regret that? Absolutely. Yeah. So if you had it to do it over, you might have had a little bit more... Uh, yeah, well, on- I, yeah, I would have looked outside my venue, but the re- one of the reasons I took the the job that I did at the time that I did was because we were close. I was close to home, mm-hmm. and if anything ever happened, like if we were sick or needed to come home from school, whatever, I I was there in a matter of minutes. Yeah, yeah. so. That's what kept me there for as long as it did. Um, and, but then I, I sort of reached a point where it was like, okay, no, this is not getting, I'm going absolutely nowhere here. Right. And so it was time for me to move on. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I actually had a couple um, jobs that I loved. Yeah. Yeah. You ended Just up really love. leveling up as we, you know, as we were like, you know, basically leaving the house or like mm-hmm. yeah, after mm-hmm. high school, you were starting to really level up in, in the careers. Yeah. yeah. I ended up retiring from a job that you were, that you, mm-hmm. you were really well respected and well paid at. And, um, I do feel like you sacrificed so much and it's hard because it's like on one hand, you know, being the martyr and like sacrificing everything for your kids. It's like, I, you almost don't want to, um, promote that because you don't want anybody to be, to sacrifice themselves in an effort to, you know, raise their kids because what are the, then what are their kids witnessing? They're witnessing you killing, you know, sacrificing everything for, for them and their thing. Do you feel that way? Well, I don't, but I, I do hear that a lot. Um, I think that, um, I definitely modeled my parenting after you in my communication style for sure. But I've also wasn't a single mom for very long. So it's a little bit different. So I can't say, that's why I always say, like, you really can't say what you would do. But um, I do, you know, um, wonder if you, um, I mean, but at the same time, that's what brought you joy. You wanted to be home. You wanted to be around your kids. You wanted to hang out with us. I I actually enjoyed all the interactions with my kids. Yeah. I, lo- I loved it. Yeah. I mean, you were my Velcro child until you hit um, high school. And then all of a sudden you, you cut the Velcro. <laughs> yeah. But then that came back after, you know, I think after high school and like, as I got, cause I got married young and had my son and. Yeah. Back. But you know, I've always, I've always felt an emotional closeness with you. Yeah. And I, have to say I do with Jeff too. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, he's the kid that if you want to get hugged and know you've been hugged, yeah. you get a hug from he's Jeff. Like he's like the big bear. Gentle giant. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Everybody's, Absolutely. Everybody's he's, favorite uncle. Yeah. 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 He is. Yeah. I mean, I think that if I look back and if I look back on our, my childhood and even into like when I was a teenager and everything, you really seemed to actually take a, your joy was when 
all of our friends were were hanging out. Like you really liked providing an atmosphere of um, a social atmosphere, a safe social atmosphere for everybody to. And I loved that because I always knew when, if everybody was at my house, mm-hmm. I knew where you were. Or, or what the plans were. Yeah. Like if we wanted to go out to eat, like you, I yeah. didn't have to worry about it because I knew go where you Denny's. were going. Or, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so as long as you were under my roof, right. I didn't have a problem, you know, and everybody talked to me, you know, all your friends, you know, communicated with me and I don't think they were lying to me, no. but, you know. Well, and that's the thing too. Um, my, our, our friends became close with you as well. And those that didn't have a very good home life mm-hmm. because you were so plugged into our lives and knew, I mean, when I lost my virginity, you're the first person I told, you know, and by the and way, I, I, cried, I, I, I lost my virginity to my first husband, but, um, you know, she was the first person I told and my friends could see the relationship I had with my mom, the relationship that Jeff had with, with my mom. And, a lot of them, most of them, most kids in general don't have that with their parents. Um, and a lot of times I, I can think of two of my friends who would tell you things that they wouldn't even tell me, or they would talk, want to talk to you separately from me because they needed guidance. So, um, That's true. I about that. yeah, yeah, so yeah, it's, yeah, you were able to provide, you know, advice or just guidance to those who didn't otherwise have it like there wasn't even the internet around back then for people no. to get answers, answers to, to, to questions no cell phones no internet we had beepers <laughs> yeah that, that was the extent of it that was it but yeah. i mean i think that you're you're everybody's go-to mom and um so i think in the in the, in an effort to raise us and be present you know and you did sacrifice a lot i think you really took a lot of pride in being able to be so present and it showed and which attracted other people to you to to get the guidance they needed so you were able to sort of pay it forward so i think it's an amazing thing i don't um i don't see it as a negative i think if somebody feels like they're killing themselves to provide in their resentful about it and they're bitter that I do everything and I get nothing. I think then you, need I never, to, I never felt that, right that way. So, and I think you, that person, they need to go chase after a different dream and they need to go, you know, and they need to do what brings that, their life yeah. joy. But I also don't think you need to feel one needs to feel the pressure to chase after something. If their heart is telling them, Hey, where I really want to be is home mm-hmm. with my kids every night, you know, getting them off to school every morning. I'll be honest with you, when you would go like spend a couple, a weekend with your dad on Sunday afternoon, I was like, couldn't wait to get you guys home. so funny. It's like, that's where I go like, okay, Ma, you you need to get a hobby. (laughs) Like... Needs to be some. She'd clean my room. Be I all would. Nice. I would. And so you could come home to a nice, clean bedroom, and it's yeah. so funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it not not the worst thing, but um, she did end up, you know, finding a uh some hobbies after we mm-hmm. we didn't really know what to do with that because we weren't <laughs> used to it. So it took some getting used to, but um, I think that we all turned out pretty good considering you know my my brothers never had a sip of alcohol. Um, his entire life just because of what my dad went through. Like he just knew to stay away from the stuff. And um, I'm going to have him on too. I think we need to have him on and discuss. Jeff has, it would it be appropriate to say he suffers from OCD or do you think he doesn't suffer? I think he enjoys I, he, OCD. Yeah. He Jeff has um, OCD, obsessive. obsessive compulsive disorder. And so he's an interesting character if you haven't met him. Self-diagnosed, by the way. I mean, do any of us question it? No. Well, I think this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on and, and having this. It's been fun. Yeah. Anything else you want to share before? This is going to live on forever. Is it? The podcast Forever in the podcast yes. world? Yes. We'll all have it to look back on. Well. Your great-grandkids. Oh, my great-grandkids. Yeah, think about it. This will live on forever. Oh, Lordy. Well, I saw I saw a quote the other day about um, grandkids. Well, you know how I feel about my grandkids. Mm-hmm. They are literally the love of my life. Mm-hmm. And I saw a quote um, 
you know, that your my grandkids are my my light, my joy, my heart forever and ever. And I I feel that way about mine. They are the best, but I feel that way about my kids yeah. too. They were my first. Yeah. They were my first light and joy. It's almost like you get to do it over again and, and get I all do. the best parts. I do. It's like you get to get you get to live all the best parts over again. And I and I look for, I I'm hoping that someday I will get to meet a great grandchild, maybe with Jordan. Jazzy, she's got her own path to go down, and and I'm, and I'm not going to. to I'm not going. I, Jordan already said that's what he wants, but I am not going to, in any way, try, try to diverge Jazz, Jasmine from her path because she is so unique, mm -hmm. and she is <laughs> one of the most interesting souls i have ever met she in my life is. she really she is. is she is it yes we're very lucky we are to have her blessed yeah. to have that child yeah, jordan too but and jordan too no. jasmine just jordan came out of nowhere he's the, <laughs> the child that i used to dream wonder how old he's gonna be before when i come to the door he doesn't throw his arms around I me know. and give me a hug and that day is still not coming. He's he's the biggest love he's ever. Still, he's still the best. Yep. Yeah. He likes to run into your arms and yep. give you a big hug. So well, anyway, thank you, honey. Thank it's you been fun. Big thanks to my mom for being a guinea pig and giving me this opportunity to get some hosting and interviewing practice. Again, she is such a trooper. I love her so much. And to you guys, I hope you enjoyed the episode. Thanks so much for listening. And we will see you back here next week. That's all for this episode of Humanity Unlocked. Do you have a personal story to share with us? We're all ears. Visit humanityunlockedpodcast.com and send us an inquiry. Thanks so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please leave us a five-star review and hit subscribe to hear weekly episodes of our show.